Anything Ghost, number 308. Happy Holidays. Anything Ghost Show. It's a place where people share their personal paranormal experiences, and I share them with you on the show. And a happy Halloween to everyone, a happy holidays to everyone, you can tell where my head's at, and I hope you're having a wonderfully safe time this time of year. We'll get right into episode number 308 of Anything Ghost, December of 2023. In keeping with the situation, the first story will be from Bob in California. The Old Woman in the Dark Room I sit in front of a warm fire, thinking of memories from the past, some good, some bad. I begin to think of one of my favorite ghost stories, A Christmas Carol. Did you know that it was for years a tradition in England? on Christmas Eve, to gather around a Christmas tree and tell children after the feast, dancing, and music, ghost stories. The children would listen in fear, mesmerized by the ghostly words of each storyteller. That tradition is the background of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. This is my Christmas story. It's been a while since my experience in this story. The story I'm about to share still has an effect on me, and sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night with nightmares dreaming about it. Sometimes I look around the room and see shadows that look like people, but I always smile, realizing that it is just my imagination getting the best of me. It all began in Southern California. California is a beautiful place, but there are also scary places here and there, just like everywhere else. One of the most haunted houses in the world is in San Diego, California, the Whaley House. I caught a photo of a little ghost girl once while touring the Whaley House. She just showed up in one of my photos. To me, ghosts are very real and should be respected, just like you would respect another person. Often in life, things happen when you least expect it. Such is the case with my true story. Remembering back, it was a dark, overcast day. There was a mist in the air, a haze we get sometimes in California. I'd been laid off from a job that I'd been working at for nine years. I'd been tuning pianos off and on over the years, but I hadn't been doing it for the last few years because while working full-time, I didn't have time with the demands of my full-time work to do it. Well, that changed when I was laid off. I started tuning pianos to make ends meet while I searched for a new job. There was a message on my phone. The voice on the message was faint and a bit hard to hear requesting a piano tuning. 
I called back later and set up a tuning appointment. When I arrived at the piano house, I looked through a tall maze of weeds at the house through my car window. The house was ominous and old and had faded drooping wood slabs that were gray from years of neglect. The house had a presence about it that made me feel uneasy. I drove toward the house. The road leading to it was full of cracks with weeds creeping through the cracks. The road was framed on both sides with eight-foot limestone rock walls. I parked, and I got my piano tuning kit and approached the front door. The front door's doorbell wires were frayed, so I could see the doorbell wouldn't work. I knocked loudly three times. I could hear my door knocks echoing throughout the house, and there was a rustling of someone moving behind the door as someone approached. I could see a silhouette of someone approaching through the thick curtains. The door opened slowly. An older woman peered up at me through a dark room from behind the door. She gestured me to follow. I followed her. The room's darkness sported shadows that covered her face. She pointed to an upright piano sitting in a corner in the room. There was one dim light in an opposite corner in the room. When I first entered the room, because of the room's darkness, I wasn't able to see the woman's face clearly. As my eyes adjusted, I could see the old woman was dressed in an old gray dress with a lace scarf. She was holding a small, leather-bound book that she clutched into her chest. I walked to the piano. I took out a flashlight, and with its light guiding me, I started to remove the top cover screws in preparation to tune the piano. The old woman watched me curiously as I removed the screws holding the piano cover in place. I looked down at the piano keys and could see that some of the piano keys were worn and had broken ivory tops missing, but it still seemed playable. As my eyes continued to adjust to the darkness of the room, I could start to see a bit clearer, and I looked over. The old woman was watching, and I glanced at her face. I was startled as one of her eyes was glazed over with a dull glow reflected from the room's only light giving her a terrifying appearance. Trying not to show my surprise, I looked away from her face, around the gloomy room. There was an old tattered music box and some shelves with old bound books. I noticed that there weren't any framed photos. The whole experience so far left me uneasy. I put my piano tuning kit on the table and got my tools ready to begin tuning. For all pianos, there are many keys that have three strings for each key. The strings must be tuned to play in unison together for the same note. Having any of these out of sync can cause the sound for a key to have a twangy tone, 
not the desired clear, in-tune, unison tone. Time passed as I tuned the piano. I got halfway into tuning the piano, and I realized that I would not be able to tune it, because the strings that I tightened quickly unraveled because the soundboard that held the string pins was broken, and it wouldn't be able to hold the tension of the strings. I realized because of my concentration that I did not notice the older woman was no longer there watching me. I was alone. I called out loudly to the old woman to give her the bad news. Ma'am? No response. I called out again. Hello? No response. I wondered if maybe the old woman had left without my noticing to run an errand or such. I went to my piano tuning kit case and searched for a piece of paper and a pen. Holding the flashlight, I started writing a note explaining why I would not be able to tune the piano. I heard a slight muffling from the back of the house. I stopped writing and listened. Silence. I waited a few seconds and called out again. Hello? No response. I ignored my rising fear as my arms began to fill with goosebumps. I continued writing the note. I called out again, hello, is anyone there? But there was no response. I heard some scuffling coming from a different place from before. The silence in between the muffling sounds was stifling. Hello! I called out. I'm going to be leaving. I'm not able to tune your piano because there's a problem with the piano. No response. I did hear more muffling sounds that were getting closer to me. I have to get out of here now, I thought to myself. I quickly packed my piano tuning tools, tuning rod and other tools into my kit. I looked around the room. I did not want to have to come back if I missed anything, ever. I had to make sure that I had everything before leaving. I rushed to the door and dropped the flashlight in my haste, and it rolled under an ornate desk. It would not be reachable without moving the heavy desk. I left it and ran out of the door to my car. I looked toward the house and thought I saw one of the curtains moving slowly, but I couldn't be sure if it was real or my imagination being so terrified at that point. Sometimes in life, it's the things that you can't see that form strong feelings that leave you unsettled much more than the things you can see. Such was the case of how I felt at that moment. I was overcome by an overwhelming feeling of being watched coming from the house. I felt like the old woman was watching into my very soul. It was hard to describe the unsettling feeling I experienced, but it was draining, deeply encompassing. 
It left me feeling like I was on the verge of passing out with panic. It also left me feeling very tired. I wasn't sure exactly where from the house it emanated from. There were many windows in the house. It could have been coming from any of them. As I began to back out from the house, I realized I would not be able to drive away to get out of there fast. Every part of me wanted to race out and back away from that house as fast as possible, spinning my tires, screeching out of the driveway. But to do so would have caused me to scrape the car door on either side of the narrow facing stone walls on each side of the path of the road. I would have to drive out slowly and thus endure the overwhelming presence I was feeling. The road being a hundred feet was long to me. It felt like miles. Finally, I reached the main road and turned out onto it to leave the place. I let out a breath of relief. I drove away rattled as I wiped cold sweat off my brow. It was not till later, thinking about what had happened, that I realized how scary that experience was. Looking back on it, I wondered to myself if that was a ghostly specter that had drawn me into a trap like an insect caught by a spider's web. Or was it just some crazed older woman wanting to drain my energy like an energy vampire or such? I leave it to you, the reader, to decide. And it's Christmas Eve at midnight right now here. And I'm hearing the prancing and pawing of two little hooves on the roof. I think I should burn some sage. This next story is from Jamie in Indiana. Childhood Home Experiences. I love your podcast and I've been listening for years now. I look forward to each new episode. I have finally decided to begin sharing some experiences and I'm starting with some from my childhood. I grew up in a rural area of Indiana. The home I was raised in was also the home my grandfather was raised in. After my great-grandparents passed, my grandfather purchased the property for my mother and father to make our home. It's an old farmhouse that during my childhood had several farm buildings as well. We had no close neighbors, but other farmhouses did dot the road of the country block where we lived. No other kids lived near us. I share all of this to give an idea of how isolated we really were. Our family consisted of my, my father, mother, one older sister, and myself. Growing up in the 1970s in a rural area, you spent plenty of time outside or reading books. Also hiking in the woods, riding bikes, shooting baskets and such. And you did most of it alone. Sometimes my older sister would indulge me and play, but often she just wanted to be left to herself. 
My mother was a spiritual person and very much believed in good and evil, ghosts, demons, angels, the unexplained, and the unknowable. She always had Fate magazine around the house and the latest horror or thriller bestseller in paperback. She recounted strange encounters throughout her life very often. So my sister and I grew up believing in a lot of other worldly concepts. My mother shared how she saw a green woman just walking down the street in the large city. She had what she considered spiritual dreams and visitations from relatives and friends who had passed. She often told the story of how she felt sad that she'd forgotten to place flowers at my great-grandparents' graves one memorial weekend. She was crying as she was cutting the blooms from our flower bed when she heard the voice of my great-grandfather behind her. He told her to stop crying and that everything was okay. Of course, when she turned to speak to him, she remembered he had passed and was not standing behind her. She would have experiences like that from time to time throughout my childhood. My sister and I had many experiences in our childhood home. We would hear our names called, but no one was ever there. We would hear what sounded like cars pulling into the driveway, but no car would be there. We would hear what sounded like our mother and grandfather talking while we were upstairs, but upon heading down to speak to grandfather, found he was not at our house. Our mother reassured us she was very much alone and not speaking to anyone. We would see shadows from the corners of our eyes. The upstairs where all the bedrooms were located often gave a very unsettling feeling. I would not go upstairs alone as a small child. I always waited until someone else went upstairs. The room I slept in also had an uneasy feeling about it. One evening as I was trying to fall asleep, I opened my eyes and saw a hooded figure dressed in what I can best describe as a monk's robe standing beside my bed and kind of standing over me. I couldn't see a face or hands, just the hooded cloak. It was only there for a moment and then gone. It shook me up enough for me to go to my mom and dad's room. My mother reassured me I was fine, and I eventually went back to bed and had no further visits from that figure. My nephew had one of the worst experiences there. He was staying with my mother and stepfather, and his new bedroom was my old bedroom. I never felt great about that closet in the room and I always kept the door shut. He had similar feelings. However, every time he would leave, he closed the closet door, and every time he returned, the door would be standing wide open. He decided he would move his bed up against the closet door to keep it closed. He came home from work one time and saw the door slightly ajar, even with the bed against it. He again closed the door and pushed his bed back 
up against it. Then he laid down to sleep, but he was awakened by his bed shaking as if someone was actually bouncing the bed with their hand. He then looked at the closet door, and it was open. Only then was he able to see a black arm and hand protruding from the closet and shaking his bed. My nephew said out loud, Enough! Then he closed the door again and pushed the bed back against it. The shaking stopped at that point. Others who visited the house would also comment on the uneasy feeling they would get. My mother had a Ouija board, and she allowed my sister and I to use it when we were teenagers. I don't believe anything bad of those experiences, but the house just had a feeling like you were not alone. Sometimes it felt like you were being followed if you left the room that everyone else was in, and sometimes it just felt spooky. Another issue for the house was that it was always a place of frequent arguments. My parents had many, many arguments and eventually divorced. My parents had arguments with my grandparents. My sister had arguments with both of my parents. And then my stepfather. My mother and stepfather had many arguments. And, of course, my two siblings also argued with each other and my mom and stepfather. It may have been that uneasy feeling just unnerving people, and they didn't understand why they felt so quarrelsome. I'm not sure. The house is still in our family, and has passed on now to my stepbrother and his wife. She tells me she is terrified to go upstairs alone, and that, well, she and my stepbrother have had far too many arguments since they moved there. story from Jesse in the U.S., Our Haunted Lives. The city that I live in has some rather mild hauntings that people openly share. I work for the city. The day after Halloween was an event at the city hall. The mayor and city manager were both present, and our tour was given of the city hall in the heritage building next door. 
The Heritage Building is a former school that now houses city offices, including the mayor's and city manager's offices. The building itself has creaky wood floors and doors and is well-preserved and beautiful with gorgeous architecture. It isn't especially creepy, but everyone has a little story about something strange that had happened, as it's long purported to be haunted by an old school marm. Perhaps it was just the spooky season, the fun from the night before, or just the feeling in the air on All Souls Day. But the tours and both the mayor and city manager had fun ghost stories to share about working late in the Heritage Building. Mostly it involved suddenly feeling like someone was watching you or hearing footsteps when no one else was around. After the event, my daughter and I headed back to the Heritage Building to pick up our stuff and then planned to head down to the underground parking lot accessible via a well-lit basement corridor. I entered the office area for my department using my employee badge on the sensor to the heavy door, waited the second or so for the beep to acknowledge the access, and then the loud click of the door unlocking, before turning the handle and pushing the door open. It takes a good medium constant push to open that door, and once closed, it loudly clicks and locks automatically. My daughter was enjoying the hiss of the door and assumed I was important to the city because I needed a badge to access the area. Not true, but the building was open to the public, so having locked up areas for our workspace is necessary. I was asked by a co-worker about the event. I, amused by the stories, explained that ghost stories were shared. She shared that she had her own experience in the very room that we were standing in. At that time, she had her desk in the corner of the room with her back to the door. She heard the door open and close, but didn't think anything of it. It's a shared space, and security often comes in to check the area. Then... She heard the door open again. This time, she looked over her shoulder and didn't see anyone. It's a big open room with a wall down the middle with big open doorways that only partially obstruct the view into either side. It was odd that someone wouldn't say anything since she was the only one there, but not entirely out of the realm of possibility she just assumed that she had missed the person and went about her work. A few seconds later, the door opened again. She looked over her shoulder, and again she didn't see anyone. This time she got up and went to the door and peeked down the hall. Nobody. She came back into the room and looked around to the other side of the room. Seeing no one, she returned to her desk, a little creeped out, but also assuming that maybe it was just security. Then the door opened again and slammed shut, 
and immediately opened again and slammed shut again and again, quickly. There was no one in the doorway, no one on either side, and no beeping to lock or unlock that door. Slam, 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 over and over, for what she said seemed like ages. But then stopped after what was likely just a few seconds. She took that as a sign that it was time to go and grab her stuff, and she left. She finished her story by saying, You know, that door doesn't open or close quickly. I relayed that the only time I had anything strange happen also involved that same door. It was midday, and I was there with a different co-worker. We were working at the conference table on the other side of the wall, and I was facing the doorway. I heard the door open and looked up to see if it was another team member. But I just saw a woman turn and look at us for a moment, and then she turned and left in complete silence. But I didn't hear the door. What struck me odd about her was how pale she was and how severely she was looking at us. It was so odd that I can really only remember her face and hair with any detail. It was the kind of look that an old strict librarian may give you when you and your friend were playing too loudly in the stacks. The feeling was that we were not only being too loud, but we shouldn't have been there at all. But what bothered me the most was the lack of door sounds. I went to the doorway and looked out. No one was there. I then checked the side of the offices within the room. No one else was around. By this time, my co-worker noticed me being weird and asked if it was security. I told him no, but asked if he had seen that woman who was staring at us. He hadn't, but he had heard the door open. I told him she gave me the creeps, but that I hadn't heard the door open, so I went to check, but no one was there. As my daughter and I were leaving the office area, she was dubious of my co-worker's story, and so we spent a moment playing with the door. There was no way that door could open quickly and slam shut. It locks immediately when closed, and you have to use a badge reader to unlock it. I shrugged at my daughter before leading her down to the basement stairwell. My daughter was thoroughly creeped out and wasn't sure she wanted to head into the basement. The basement actually isn't creepy at all, but perhaps it was just because we were already on edge about the ghost stories. It felt like we were being followed as we walked through the basement corridor. I looked behind me and saw no one. I passed through another badge door and closed it behind me carefully before continuing on. The area was about 500 feet before the final badge access door. As we walked, I still felt like we were being followed, and I saw my daughter look over her shoulder a couple of times. 
I looked over behind us and saw nothing. What is it? I asked my daughter, who replied nothing. She said she just felt like someone was following us. I stopped and turned around. Stop following us and leave us alone, I said sternly in my best mama voice. I turned on my heels, motioned my daughter ahead of me, and we continued through the final door to the parking garage. Immediately she wanted to talk about it, and I shushed her. Once we were in the car and fully away from the area, I asked her what it was she wanted to talk about. She asked me if I had seen anyone. I told her no, but I figured it wouldn't hurt to tell someone to stop it. She was quiet for a moment, before she said, But it listened? After that, I didn't feel anything was following us anymore. It was just like the feeling was gone. I shrugged. I don't know, baby. I just know that sometimes you can tell them sternly to leave you alone, and they do. My next story involves my sister. This sister sees dead people all the time. She sees lost souls everywhere she goes, down the street, walking around, just everywhere. Generally, in the family, we tend to bless our houses and protect our homes. Not much enters our homes, but we tend to have passive allowance for loved ones and relatives who are visiting. Whenever something happens, we tend to check in with each other to see if there's a relative making the rounds, or if there's something concerning about what we've noticed. Most often, if it's around October, we attribute it to one of our uncles, who in life was a prankster. He always called everyone, starting in October, to make sure we remembered his October 20th birthday. We assume he does the same in the afterlife. In October, we often find things out of place that give us cause to remember him. Nothing malicious. Ever at most, a picture will fall. A day or two after the City Hall event, I got a text from my sister. Apparently, she was showering, and her daughter walked in to ask her what she needed. My sister said, she didn't call her. My niece insisted she had. After the shower, my sister checked in with the kids. Both of her kids heard her clearly calling her daughter and got up to check what she needed. Shortly after that, the dog started barking at something down the hall. My sister went to look, and there was nothing there, but the dog was growling and barking. She has now told whatever it was to get out. I think it's gone. I haven't heard of any more incidents. She lived in that house for about seven years with no similar incidents, so I don't think it's the house. I know this was long, but these are the latest incidents. Hope everyone was as thoroughly creeped out as we were. And that was from Jesse in the U.S. And thanks for sending that in and sharing it with us, Jesse. Have a nice holidays.
And the last story we have for this holiday episode of Anything Ghost is from Allen in Maryland, U.S. A haunted dorm at Cornell University. This is Alan from Maryland. I've been listening to your show since I first became a father. You provided me company during many sleepless nights with a fussy baby. I almost said faceless when I first read that. That baby is now 11 years old and is himself a fan of Anything Ghost. I figured it was about time for me to send in a story, so here goes. This tale took place in 1993 when I was a freshman at Cornell University in Ithaca, New York. A few years before, and probably just a few miles away from the site of the classic Anything Ghost, Laura's haunted apartment story. One day my friend Mark who lived a few doors down the hall from my dorm, knowing of my appetite for ghost stories, came to the room brimming with excitement with a story he couldn't wait to tell. Something had just happened to a friend of his that left him spooked. I don't remember the friend's name, but let's call him Frank. Frank was an architecture major. Architecture had a reputation as a really tough major demanding countless hours of work in the studio, drafting, building models, and doing whatever else architects do. I would often walk back to North Campus after late-night study sessions around midnight. All the buildings would be dark, all except the architecture school's Rand Hall, that is, Rand, with its wide panoramic windows, would always be brightly lit with silhouettes of students busily working on their projects inside. I thought I was out late, but the architects had many more hours ahead of them before they could even consider sleep. And so it was, Frank's experience was that of a typical architect, and he was up late one night working on his latest project. Around 3 a.m., he decided to call it quits and head home. Stepping outside, the chilly nighttime air of upstate New York gripped him. He made his way across the deserted bridge to North Campus, pausing briefly to take in the waterfall and the crumbling castle-like facade of a long-abandoned building in the gorge below. He continued to his dorm, appreciating the quiet emptiness of the campus at night until he reached his dorm, High Rise One, which I believe is now called Jameson Hall. There were two entrances to High Rise One, one on the south and one on the north. Each entrance consisted of two sets of glass doors with a vestibule in between. The first door did not have a lock and could only be pulled open. The second door was locked and could only be opened by inserting a key, turning it to retract a spring-loaded bolt, and then pulling the door open while the key was turned. 
Only residents of the dorm were given the keys. As Frank was coming from the south, he naturally went to the south entrance. As he had done hundreds of times before, he went through the first door, inserted his key to open the second door. The key turned as usual, and he could feel the bolt retract, but the door would not open when he pulled it. He pulled and pulled, but it would not budge. He didn't understand what was wrong. There was no obvious obstruction, but figured there must be something wrong with the door. So he went around to the north entrance. He inserted his key in the second door, turned it, felt the bolt retract, but again could not pull the door open. That is when he looked into the lobby and saw a small, frail, elderly woman. A vacant expression hung on her sunken face. Long, stringy, gray hair limped down the sides of her head, almost as if the hair was damp. She wore what appeared to be a nightgown. The sight struck Frank as highly unusual, if not a little creepy. Being a college campus, elderly people were never seen, especially not in a dorm and especially not in the middle of the night. Frank reasoned that maybe she was just a student's grandmother visiting. Anyway, he needed help to get in, and she was the only person who could give it to him. So he knocked on the glass and asked her to come open the door. She didn't respond or acknowledge Frank in any way. He knocked louder and raised his voice. Still no response. Switching from his knuckles to his fists, he banged on the door and was all but yelling to get her attention. Finally, she started walking. In slow, shuffling steps, Instead of moving toward the door, she approached the hallway leading to the laundry room. All this time, Frank had the key turned and was continually pulling on the door. The woman entered the hallway and continued forward until she disappeared from Frank's view. In that instant, the door flew open. Frank rushed in with relief, his anxieties about being unable to get into the dorm now gone. He turned his attention to the curiosity about the strange woman. He wanted to make sure she wasn't up to no good or maybe even in need of help. So he entered the hallway and followed it all the way to the laundry room. Nobody was there. There was no other path, no other exit. The woman had just vanished. A wave of goosebumps washed over him.
as he realized that he had just seen a ghost. <laughs>